Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Pardo Solicitors, the friendly law firm based in the heart of Somerset with offices in Yeovil, Taunton and Bridgewater with a strong ethos of helping those in our community. If in doubt, check it out with Pardo's on a free no obligation call or subscribe to our free podcast. The Friendly Law Podcast. For more information, call 0800 862 0442 or visit pardos.co.uk. Pardos Solicitors, looking after you, your family and your business. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. You are listening to Three Valleys Radio. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard looking for his back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanded by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis, he could win it! He probably has won it for Yeovil! Oh, and it's an opening goal! What a start! Stansfield, good turn away from Trott, goal! 
Hello, how are you? Welcome to the Glovers Cast with me, Ian Perkins, on Three Valleys Radio. Today I'm joined by Mr. Ben Barrett. Hello, sir. And we've got a third man. Who's the third man? It's David Coates from Twitter. Is he an influencer? How many followers have you got? I think so. Dave? Oh, uh, a, co- a couple of thousand, but mostly from the days when I used to work for a newspaper. So people only follow me to find out about planning applications in central Lancashire. So if you're not interested in that, unfollow me. Well, that's... Award-winning a... journalist. Award-winning journalist. Yeah, the 2008 Downtown Preston in Business Business Journalist of the Year, if you don't mind. So, uh, yeah. Wow. I think that qualifies... Not many people have won that. I think that qualifies as an influencer to me award award winning we're only nominated on the podcast so it's nice to have an actual winner on board well, i thought i thought I've your got... mum just bought you a world's best journalist mug for christmas once and you were just counting that oh i have got that as well yeah <laughs> oh, okay yeah, i'll be honest with you guys I, today i feel a bit like one of those sort of middle-aged blokes whose uh, friends have got my mascot package for their stag do so you know <laughs> two two uh Broadcasting titans such as yourself. I, uh, I'm having that, by the way. I'm broadcasting titans. Slightly, uh, slightly out of place here, but I'll serve you up with opinion, conjecture, and speculation, and nothing, nothing more than that. Well, that's lovely stuff. That's, that's what this podcast is all about. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you, you've made a good start. You've made a good start. <laughs> so, this is um, we're recording the day after. A defeat at Hartlepool. Was it ever going to be anything else at Hartlepool? Um, despite Ben's nostalgic Bonds and Gala story on Friday's podcast, um, me and Ben weren't able to watch the game. Hence the arrival of Coatsy. Not only for that, he's got you know there's other qualities. Award-winning journalist for one, so it just adds a credibility. But Coatsy, the the game, it, it all was going so well in the first half, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It really was. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll not run through the uh, the game blow by blow for you, but you're right. First first half, I thought we matched what are a very good Hartlepool side. Let's let's put that one out there to start with. Um, we it, we we had the best chance of the game. I think it was uh, sort of midway through the through the first half. I think it was uh, Noisfield got forward. He, he looked lively again. I thought on a on a on a good good pitch. He always does well. I know you've mentioned that in previous uh, previous podcast. Uh, he got the ball to Reed, I think it was. Had a go, got blocked. I think Murphy had a go, got blocked, and then Murphy got a, a shot turned away by um, by their keeper, but uh, and a good save as well. I mean, I don't remember that Adam Smith having an awful lot to do in that first half. So yeah, I, I think we went in at half time thinking we'd had the we'd had the better of it. Um, might be slightly biased in that opinion, but I certainly yeah, it it it, it, it was going well. I thought. But um, yeah, I mean, defensively, again, we look we look composed. We obviously had um, uh, Skendy at the the back alongside Maxon. Maxon, I have to say, was excellent again. Um, I think he was missing uh, his new partner in crime, Sass Davis, who was uh, obviously out um, out out injured. But he looked composed. He looked calm when he got the ball. Again, against some you know pretty good opposition that he's got there in the, in the Hartlepool front line and. You know, and Skendy, I don't know whether it was Skendy looked good because Hunt looked good, but I, I thought he didn't look panicked. He didn't look out of place. Obviously, we know about his versatility, but um, but yeah, it was it was all good. There's a bit of pressure at the end of the end of the half, and maybe a few airy moments at the beginning of it. But I can't remember uh, Hartlepool doing a great deal more than that. 
I think that was the big flag for me was Skendi at the back. Always is a little bit worrying, um, especially after his, his performance there the first part of the season. But nice to hear that he was composed. He's always got that touch of composure about him, sometimes a little bit too composed. Yeah, and he's obviously, you know, he's a, he's, he's a jack of all trades and in some trades he, he, he does it better than, than others. But, um, I mean, alongside them, see, you know, Bradley and Dickinson, I didn't think uh, there was nothing that sticks in my memory uh, that they did fantastically well in the first half. But equally, I don't remember them doing anything wrong. And that's probably a, a sign of a good defensive um, performance in that in, in that first 45 minutes. But, uh, yeah, not quite the uh, the backs to the walls of the uh, Bonds and Gala days of, uh, of 2011. But, uh, yeah, it was... I was very pleased going in at half-time, I have to say. The Bonds and Gala day, by the way, was the last time we won away at Hartlepool. That was the last time we, we yeah. got a victory there. I think I think it, it goes saying, and I, I, you actually brought it up, Dave, that even before yesterday, Hartlepool had the highest and best home record in the league. No one's picked up more points before yesterday at home than Hartlepool. 23 prior to yesterday, now 26. And yet here we are, almost a tiny bit disappointed that we haven't come away with something does that does that show just how far Yeovil have come since that horrendous start to the season did we look a different team to those first 10 games though 100% yeah I mean I'd make the direct comparison with the performance in inverted commas that we put in uh, against them at our place back in uh, was November uh, when when, when we lost 3-1 and um, yeah we were a completely different side that day, if you, you remember back to it. They they took us apart. Our defence was all over the place. Our midfield was nowhere. Our uh, attackers you know, didn't look like they were going to get anywhere either. This time, we were dictating a lot of the play. In, 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 again, in my opinion, Noyfield, I thought, looked excellent. Um, it's, some of us were, were a bit quieter. You had, uh, Worthington had, had come in to make up uh, for Skendi dropping back. Uh, did did all right. Knowles um, looked, looked all right in the in the first half as well. Uh, Murphy looked Reese Murphy um, looked 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 good again. I thought, and I, I thought we were the ones asking the questions in the first half. Partly, Paul Fan would probably tell you slightly different, but this was a world away from the team that lost to them at our place back in November. Of course, we took the lead and in some serious style as well through Tom Knowles. A huge thanks to I think it was. Josh, Josh Wilde, for breaking all kinds of copyright laws by putting <laughs> the clip on, on social media. So we have at least seen that. That's yeah. some strike. That's, that's, that's a goal worthy of not just being in a highlights package, but of winning any game. That is some strike from Tom Knowles. And I'm really, I'm really chuffed with Tom Knowles at the moment. I think he honestly has deserved that. We've given Neufeld so much praise over the last four or five games of this sort of more positive run. But I think Knowles has gone a little smidge under the radar. So to get a goal, to get a moment like that, I'm absolutely chuffed for him. I think he's come on leaps and bounds from when he joined and then joined permanently. We all kind of went, OK, good, but we haven't actually seen a lot of him. But now we are starting to see a little bit more of him. And if that's what's to come, we're in for a real treat here. That, that was some finish. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I, I actually got involved in a little uh, spat with a Hartlepool fan who called it a freak goal. And I said, come on, freak goal. <laughs> I mean, uh, there was a there, when you see the, the the highlights, guys, you'll see there there was a very strong wind going that direction. And uh, if you've been to Hartlepool, it was going towards the away end, as it always does in my memory of going there. Um, but 
yeah, it was a, it was a long ball forward. And I think I'd said, I can't remember, I think it was uh, Clevo or, or Elliot Watts I'd mentioned literally seconds before saying, we need to keep this ball down because every time we knock it forward, it's going straight through to their keeper. What happens literally 20 seconds later? Long ball forward. Great touch from Ruby and Reed, I have to say. Brought the, the ball down beautifully. Sort of stood aside, deliberately or, or, or not, I don't know. Uh, left it to Tom Knowles. And as you say, he had a bit to do. Uh, you know, he, he took a couple of touches. But yeah, that was that was some strike. And I completely agree with you, Ben. Knowles is a player that I've been... When he wasn't in the side, I was um, was saying, why isn't he playing? Because you know he's got that. He's got that intensity. He's got that. Uh, he can you know, stick a tackle in. Uh, you know, some better than others. Uh, but, um, but yeah, he's, uh, he, he's obviously got that in his, in his locker as well. I think the manager said after the game, he's got to do more of that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure with a bit of confidence from that goal, he will do. That touch from Reed to set him up, I, yeah. I, th- I think um, I think it was a phenomenal touch to, to bring that down because it came from, like I said, windy conditions and it came from a goal kick. Um, and... Yeah, the, the, I think he did mean to step out of the way. I don't know if you're a bit, you know... You, I know Ruben Reed is not your most favourite player in the world. Um, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I certainly wasn't scared. I, I thought Hartlepool yesterday was the was the best I've seen of, of Ruben Reed. I might be being a bit unfair to him. I thought he was good in his debut against Weymouth as well. Uh, yeah, not to, not to dwell on my uh, frustrations with Ruben Reed, but they're... I think the Bournemouth game uh, Tuesday before there was a lot of him complaining at his teammates, waving his arms around, and um, as you guys have touched on before, after his uh, his State of the Nation Churchillian speech at the end of a match a few weeks ago, I think uh, he's got uh, he's got a lot to live up to. But yeah, he he, do, he has got good control. He's got good composure. He's an experienced player, isn't he? Um, I mean, still hopeful of getting goals out of him, but uh, yeah, you, you can't fault him. I th- for, I th- for that first half he did well I think that's one thing we forgot to talk about on Thursday Ben was the the body language after the goal at Boreham Wood um, but uh, and the, you know there was a little bit of a discussion about it on social media but I think I don't know to me he's just trying to avoid close really close contact I don't, I don't know maybe that's me thinking the world of him a little bit too much do you know what I mean there was a lot of talk a few weeks ago about players not getting close and hugging during celebrations and as an experienced pro I don't know if he's got a family he might have a family that he doesn't want to you know risk anything with he's just taking a step back from that possibly I think whichever way you fall whether it's um, whether it is a case of look we shouldn't be doing mad celebrations or whatever or whether it was a frustration that the ball wasn't laid to him or whatever it, it may be I, I'm kind of okay with strikers setting high standards. I think that's okay, as long as it comes out productively. And we've, we've mentioned before how Ruben Reed isn't going to score us 20-something goals a season. I don't think that's the type of striker he is. That's why we have Murphy. But what we've seen is in the little moments, we mentioned the lovely touch, where we'll get the best out of Reed is by making others look good. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get better... Quigley performances, Noyfield performances, Knowles performances, Jimmy Smith performances, Worthington performances, Skendy performances, out of Ruben Reed. That's yeah. his job now. That experienced old head make others reach his 
quote-unquote perceived standards, and that's a good thing for everybody. So I'm not overly fussed that he was a bit cheesed off that he sets high standards, and the ball was going out for a throw-in when it was kicked. (laughs) (laughs) So let's be completely honest here. Neufeld's got one there that he probably shouldn't have got, but we'll take them as far as we can throw them. And if Ruben Reed's a little bit annoyed because actually he was the right play, fine, I'm okay with it. Crack on. We've won the game. We'll go on. And he's come back and, and set up a really nice a nice moment for Knowles and, and provided, from what from what I can tell, a nice linchpin performance at the top of the attack yesterday. It hasn't worked out for defensive reasons, which I'm sure we're about to go into. But going forward, Murphy feels a bit more on it. He feels a bit more instinctive, a little bit more Murphy of last season. Combine that with a Reed who can make things tick over. If I've got an exciting Neufeld one side, an exciting Knowles the other, I've got players in midfield who can chop and change and do a bit. That front five is just edging closer towards being complete to where we would have wanted it in September, October at the start of the season rather than now, but better late than never, I guess. Yeah, I think you're right there. Um, so, should we go into the second half and uh, the 67th minute? Uh, Reese Murphy is taken off for Joe Quigley, and then it all goes a little bit wrong. So, so what happened after that substitution, Coatsy? Well, yeah, like you said, I, I saw there was a few chat going around on social media then about I'll be resting him for Tuesday, the Weymouth game, and and all of that, but. Yeah, I, I was surprised he came off because he was exactly what Ben said there. He was the Reese Murphy that we've seen in recent games. He was the Reese Murphy that we saw a lot of last season as well. He was sharp. He looked like he was causing him problems. And he gave us something different um, alongside alongside Reed. And, and in, in my mind, I know Joe Quigley isn't everybody's um, uh, cup of tea. Um, uh, I, I think he and Ruben Reed are, are maybe a little bit too similar. And I think that was probably the um, the problem is that, that we had after 67 minutes because it, it led us, with the wind in our favour, to start playing a little bit more, I'll call it direct, I'll be polite, hoofball was another way of calling it, I guess. Um, uh, and we started playing long ball suit quickly um, and, 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 and Reed as well. And it didn't seem to work for us. The ball kept coming back at us, as you know, we saw a lot at the start of the season. Um, and that seemed to be the problem. And in fairness to Hartlepool, they, they got into the game as well. I thought the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, we, we, we looked good. We got the goal, obviously. And I, and, and, and I didn't think we looked uncomfortable. Um, but, yeah, when, when, when that change was made, that did seem to, to change it a bit. But I think we got to give a bit of credit to Hartlepool as well. They're a, you know, they're a good side and, and they were losing at home um, in a game that they had to win to keep themselves in the in the hunt. So so they came they they had a part to play in it as well, of course. Right at the end, obviously we can see the, the sucker punch of the second goal. A lot was made in Darren Sarles slightly delayed press chat, I believe he spoke to the BBC without sort of staying at the ground, so to speak. Um, he did it sort of maybe on the bus on the way home or something. He spoke of the decision-making in an attacking free kick. Did you did you see that, Dave? Did you see an error in our in our play in those last few moments where we didn't quite have the nous to see the game out? I absolutely did, yeah. And um, I know the manager didn't name him, but uh, anyone who watches the uh, 
the highlights back we see it, it was Carl Dickinson, which, and I will say that I'll put this on the record now. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Carl Dickinson. I know there's a lot of people who say he hasn't got the pace. I don't think pace is something that you naturally think of when you think of Carl Dickinson. I mean, I haven't followed his career closely before he joined us, but uh, it never struck me as someone who paced with his greatest virtue. But I think his decision-making, his experience, is it chats to the a lot younger players in cases um, alongside him has been a big strength of his. And, uh, and he, knowing the kind of character that um, you see him, I think he probably would be the first one to, to hold his hands up. Yeah, it was a middle of the pitch. Um, you know, play, we, 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 we put players forward. Um, and he sort of tried to be a bit too clever and dink it forward when probably he should have done been a bit more dicko with it and, and, and banged it forward. They got possession. Their lad broke away. And, uh, well, the, the, the team broke away. And to be fair to, I think it's a substitute um, for Hartlepool, I thought he'd lost it because he, he sort of takes it right out into the into the right-hand corner. But in, in fairness to him, he, he, he cuts inside. He, he turns Worthington, I think it was. Um slots it across the box and their lads there at the back post to um to put it in. So yeah, it was definitely like I say, game management, decision making, you know, I think the manager said afterwards four minutes to go at the end of the game, we should do better. Um and as I say, Carl Dickinson will be the first person to hold his hands up and say he should have done better there as well. But yeah, there was a, a lot to do with that name. Do you think it's a... we... Go on, Ben Sorry, I was just gonna ask the um the free kick itself. Were we trying to win the game? Were we trying to put the ball in the box? Obviously, I haven't seen it. Were we trying to win the game in the last minute rather than just see it out? Is that is is that where the errors come from? I I, I think he, he he tried to be a bit a bit too clever. I mean, it was a full pass. Don't get me wrong, but he sort of went to dink it as opposed to bang it, um, oh, and uh, and and made a mistake. So um, yeah. Uh, he was obviously trying to play the ball forward, uh, which you could say could could describe that as trying to win the game or trying to, uh, you know, trying to manage the game or see the game out. But whichever it was, it obviously didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, do you we've, think it's one of, on this. Do you think it's one of these confidence? Do you think we're playing with a little bit of confidence at the moment? Um, whereas you know, a couple of months ago, he might have just leathered it and you know hoped for the best, but. You know, we're not on a bad run of form. We've picked up some good wins. I, I sort of off what Ben was saying. You think the confidence is there that they're thinking, oh, let's try and win this game rather than let's go home with a point." Yeah, and I, uh, and I think um, probably as well. Carl Dickinson was thinking, "Look, I'm an experienced player. I'll, I'll do something a bit clever that the opposition aren't aren't expecting." And I, I don't say trying to be too clever. He is an experienced player. He's probably done things like that in his career and it, and it has worked out and everyone's gone, oh, well done, Dicko. But um, uh, there are occasions where it doesn't work. I know we'll come on to the uh, to the tackling in the past, but it's a similar thing, isn't it? You know, with players like that, they, they, they do try things and often they, uh, you know, sometimes I should say, they don't they don't come off. And I think this this was that, that occasion. Um, like I say, he'll be the, he'll be the first person to... Uh, to admit he made a mistake there. I mean, if again, when you watch the, the highlights back, you, you look at his reaction. He sort of hand on his head, puts his shirt over his face, uh, and all of that. So you know, he he's under no illusions that he's uh, he's made a mistake there. I don't think. And the manager said it after the game, isn't he? So 
I think more might just have to chalk that one up and uh, and, and, and and move on. But it, yeah, it was definitely disappointing because hundred percent we deserved at, at least a, a point out of that. I don't think I go as far as saying we we should have won the game because uh, I think that would have been harsh on Hartley probably who, who did come back into it. Um, but both goals we were, were down to us really. We made we made mistakes twice um, and 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 they cost us. Do you think, Dave, if the manner of the defeat had been slightly different, and I mean by that, if we'd have been 2-0 down in the first half but showed the same fight and performance and actually got a goal back and probably deserved a point, we'd be as disappointed as, as we are about it. Do you think the manner of the fact that it was the 90th minute that we'd done so well at a horrible place to play football and a horrible place to get results, scored a worldie and still come away with nothing, just leaves us feeling a little bit more a little bit more downbeat about it because, like you say, for the vast majority of it, we've done enough to get something. Yeah, uh, and, and I think, uh, like you say, the other thing might be we haven't won a Hartley Fall in 10 years, have we? So uh, yeah. so that was another thing we were thinking, oh, we might actually get something from this, um, uh, from, from a Hartley Fall away, which is, would be a novelty in itself. But I, I think you can, you know, I, I tried to find a silver lining in the um, in the clouds and I think that the reaction that there, there has been to a disappointing uh, result shows how far we've come in a lot of ways. I know that sounds a bit ridiculous when you've lost a game, but there is a disappointment because we thought we should have got something against a team that I think now are third in, in, in the table. Um, and, you know, there is, a, there is a bit of positivity in that. We, we definitely did enough to, um, to get a point out of the game. A Hartlepool fan who I follow on Twitter said exactly that. They didn't deserve to win the game, no question. Um, so, so, yeah, I think there's a, there's a, there's a big part of, um, of what you say is right there. Two away games from Bromley, uh, not Bromley, Boreham Wood and Hartlepool. To come away with three points is good. To come away with four or maybe six, you would have been thinking, you'd have snapped your hand off for that even a few weeks ago, let alone a few months ago. So I don't think we should, as we've said a few times, I don't think we should get too low with the lows. I don't think we should get too high with the highs. But I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of yesterday and from everything that I'm hearing and reading, actually, when you take a step back and sleep on it, as we so often say here, on covers class, just sleep on these performances. Let them let them happen for a moment. Um, I'm not too disheartened by it. I think maybe maybe the team and the gaffer will be able to reassess it and go, look, we've made a couple of minute errors, and that's what's cost us. Um, do does anyone else here feel slightly better about losing games of football like this, knowing that relegation is now highly unlikely to be a problem? I'm. Um... I'm sort of of the mind at the moment where it doesn't, you know, the results don't really matter, do they? <clears throat> I don't think realistically we're not we're not going to reach the playoffs, are we? I, I just don't see it. There's so many teams above us who are better than us, um, better players than us, more in form. And so I, I'm sort of of the view that the results now, <laughs> this probably goes into one of the questions that we had. Um, I'm at a stage where it really doesn't matter what happens on the pitch. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because there's no pressure, like you say, of going down. Whereas when we were when we were rock bottom a few weeks ago, um, <laughs> you fellas had to uh, to try and uh, analyse all of that. Well done on that, by the way. Um, you know, we we were, really were feeling pressure, and and I'll be the first to admit there was a times where I thought, Jesus Christ, are we going to drop another level again? Um, but 
it, it's difficult to tell in this division, isn't it? Because there's so many teams have played so many different games. I think that was our 22nd, and there's teams above us that have played more and teams above us that have played less. So when you say we're what, nine points off the playoffs, what, is that, <laughs> what does that actually mean? Because uh, it, it, it's so um, skewed at the, at the top there. I mean, we could make the playoffs. You know, mathematically, of course, it, it, it's possible. But... There's definitely not a pressure, and it's going to be interesting to see what the, how the season plays out and how the teams down the bottom there. I mean, sure, come on to it, but you know the teams who are at the bottom, what they're going to going to do about it? Because Dover already have uh, said they're not they're not playing anymore. They've taken the ball and gone home, haven't they? For you know for, for reasons. Kings Lynn have said they're not going to play after Saturday's game as well. So that's yeah. another team, <laughs> another team down. How many more are going to do that? I mean, that is one of the questions. At what point do we shut up shop and uh, bin the whole team off on furlough? That was a question from Don O'Brien. So I had a bit of a thought about this, and I decided to take Yeovil out of it, and I've had a look at Woking. And and Woking have played 21 games, one less than us, and have 26 points the same as us. At what point do Woking... So take your own feelings out of it. At what point are Woking shut up shop and go home? And the answer is, not yet. I'm looking at Woking. They've got goals in them. They can see fewer than us. That's good. And Woking can still do it. Now, there are three teams on 26, Woking, us and Dagenham. So if there's a Woking fan out there or a Dagenham fan out there who thinks they can still do it and thinks they can still challenge, then it's worthwhile. I I think that's the cut-off. I think... 16, 17 and 18, Woking, Yeovil and Dagenham are the lowest placed teams who can still consider themselves absolute massive outsiders, but who know a really solid run can get them there. Dagenham spent an awful lot of money in the summer, didn't they? They spent money in the summer. They signed McCallum, uh, who, who, who did us in the playoff game against uh, for Barnet. You know, they they spent money. They will have been expecting to be certainly in the top seven uh, in in this division. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they will be will be looking to it. Woking's different kettle of fish, but um, but yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And it's weird, isn't it? Because when you look at that table, uh, I've opened a tab on my screen now. So uh, there, we're we're, we're seventeenth. Weymouth uh, a 20th, and then there's a dotted line, and you're thinking, that dotted line doesn't look a long way from us, but you know, there, there, there is still a chance that we, we could do it. Mathematics um, might be the only chance we've got, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think we, 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 we've got to carry on. I mean, question I'd have, um, sorry if I'm asking my own questions here, but is what happens, do you lose the point? So we got, what, three against Dover and uh, one against Kings Lynn, do we lose those four points if they null and void? Is that is that how you do it? Are there other teams that have, you know, got more against them that would feel the same? It just feels very messy, doesn't it? Going going into that. Yeah, we like we, we said last week. There's a long way to go. Despite them saying National League North and South are null and void, and National League plays on, it feels like there's a long way to go. And there's court cases already started up, haven't they? I, I believe that the. the how many teams is it? Eighteen teams in National League North and South who have started a campaign to play on. So they they don't mind the idea of null and void being a thing. They just want to keep promotion and relegation a thing. Mm. Now, quite where they why they think 
they are entitled to play on and play for places when other teams don't want to? Are they just going to play a, a mini league between themselves and try and find four teams to jump into the National League and have three still drop out? I'm not sure. But what it would do, if that was to happen, is it would wake, it would wake clubs up in the National League. It would stop other clubs just saying, well, we can't make playoffs. It would stop Wealdstone, Wealdstone saying, well, we can't make playoffs. There's no relegation. Stuff it. Let's just further everybody. Play the kids. And if we get stuffed every week, it doesn't matter. We get another free crack at it. It would stop any of that if there was still a promotion and relegation to consider. Even if it dropped to two and they just did one from each north and south, replacing one from each uh, from here. But uh, the, the logistics and the timing, because there's games still happening. So if Wellsden say, we're done, we're going to do what we want to do, and then the FA come back in and go, actually, no, we are going to reinstate promotion and relegation, Wilson will turn around and go, well, hang on, <laughs> we haven't been trying for three weeks. <laughs> hang on, you can't do that. <laughs> so whatever, whatever outcome needs to come from that, needs to happen sharpish, really sharpish, so that clubs know exactly what they're going on. Even if it's not a full furlough of the first team, if you're a lone player at, well- at Wilson and Wilson are paying 30%, 50% of your wages, they will go. They will disappear. Wilson don't need that 50% of someone else's wages and they can play 10 of their first team and a kid instead of that lone player. So those decisions will now start being made. There will come a point, maybe, where Yeovil will turn around and say, well, we don't really need our, uh, our loan players anymore. They can go back to where they come from and have a look at, at ripping up loan contracts and stuff. That will happen before a full squad is just sacked off and said, don't worry about it, come back in in the summer. But yeah. well, we, it's, it's messy, it's we, so messy, and it needs to be fixed quick. We know, well, we, we know that it's going to be loans, don't we, now as well. The government announced that the situation was going to be loans. Um, when you look at our club, how many players have we got on loan at the moment? Michael Kelly, Matt Warburton, <laughs> Josh Neufeld, Adam, Adam Smith. Adam Smith. Um, but we've signed a few on permanent transfers, and I, I sort of wonder if... And Sass Davis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he came in shortly, didn't he? Um, I'm, my point is, does the... Will the eligibility for a loan come if you've got more... You know, if you've got a substantial amount of contracted players that you need to pay, is that going to weigh more on the... Um, decision-making that comes with the loans. So in that position, are we as a club more likely to get a bit of a chunk of money, which, bear in mind, is only covering the last three months, not the next however many months it takes the season to finish? Um, is that going to go in our favour? Now, see, this is this is where the fact that I'm an idiot helps absolutely nobody, because I haven't got a clue. I have not got a clue. Um, it feels like if you've got more contracted players, you are more likely to get more money, but that means more repayment. No? So actually, those who have fewer contracted players are going to receive less money, but they've also got less hanging over them for the next 10, 20, however many years it's going to be. I don't know. And I think that's the thing that I worry about, and that's the thing that a lot of uh, chairmen have said, including our own, is, is taking on debt, isn't it? Um, as we all know, we've uh, with the, the, there's enough debt um, in our club and in other clubs as well as it is. 
so do do we need to take any more? It might be ridiculous, um, uh, you know, low interest rates, but I, I would be concerned about uh, you know taking on on, on massive amount of debt just to uh, just just to carry on. And and I'm sure there's other clubs out there who don't have the inverted commas resources that we do. I mean, you mentioned Woking before. I mean, it's a great club, but I don't think they've got anybody behind them with um, you know significant amounts of wealth. Um, there's probably not many teams in this division that got significant amounts of wealth uh, in there. So, but did, did just to chuck another question at you, I know we've got enough questions as it is. But uh, what what point did the EFL say? Well, this is a nonsense. You know, what point do they say? I'm not. Uh, you've 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 gone from a 24 team division to a 14 team division because 10 of your teams have said that they're not going to play. We're not promoting anybody from there. <laughs> That'd be a talky fans nightmare, won't it? But um, but what well, point not is at that? the moment. <laughs> Well, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah, it's that. That is a big, big question as well. Because I mean, I don't think there's a lot of credibility within the EFL. But what they've got, they want to hold on to. And and if you've got teams coming up from a league where there's hardly anyone in it, um, yeah, it does it does raise questions? It really does. I think I think the question actually is the other way around. I don't think it's a case of would the EFL say I don't want Torquay, I don't want Sutton, Hartlepool, whoever it may be. I think it's more of a case of, look, we've got Barrow here. We've welcomed them in. They're being run, quote-unquote, properly. We don't want to drop them down to you, <laughs> where it's being run like a farce. Yeah. So yeah. actually, sorry, Torquay, it's nothing to do with you. It's not you, it's us. Um, <laughs> but it's not that you're not getting promoted. It's that we're just not relegating anybody to drop down into that mess. You go and sort yourselves out and come back a year later. But right now, we're not prepared to drop anybody into a problem like that, and also there comes a point where actually you think, if you're a club that's got loads of loans and loads of debt now because you've had to take this money on, a club drops out of the EFL, penny free, thinking, oh, this is lovely, this we can bounce straight back, and then you get started getting into sort of teams that are then sort of dredging round non-league forever in a day, and plenty of clubs the size of which we would fall into are going to really struggle with that. You're throwing your Notts Counties, your Wrexhams and stuff. Wrexham are a bit different at the moment, obviously, but it's just, yeah, it's an absolute mess and it needs sorting pronto because there's more games on Tuesday. Torquay would is... probably argue that they're a, they're a well-run club as well. They're, a, they're an equivalent of Barrow. And I think if you look at who else is down there in um, uh, in the in, in League 2, and Grimsby are there. Uh, I know they've had a, a change of ownership and, uh, and a change of manager recently. But they've been a bit of a farce themselves. They're, even their fans would would admit. So yeah, I mean it's interesting, interesting debate. Crazy, 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 crazy. Let's move on to the subject that we were going to talk about last week, but we said we'll leave it to Hartlepool and see what happens. And that is our discipline, our discipline in uh, yellows and reds this season. And I just want to say a huge thanks to Darren Sale and the whole team for pulling off the only game this season where we haven't had a single booking just before we talk about it. So thanks, guys. That makes our job really easy. Thanks ever so much. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to bring this up because I was staggered, absolutely staggered at the numbers of yellows and reds that we've had this season. We have had yellow cards at 66, according to the good people of Transfermarkt. And through my research... Every single game has had at least one, with the exception of yesterday. Some clubs have had less than half of that. 
So there are 11 teams in the division who have had 33 or less. At the halfway stage, are we really heading towards 122 yellow cards this season? 132, I can't count, yellow cards this season. Is that, is that where we're going? Is that okay? Is that acceptable? Am I speaking out of turn? But I'm, I'm, I'm not far off disgusted by this yellow card record. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I'm absolutely... Oh, it's, it's horrendous. He's jumping in with both feet there, isn't he? On the, uh, on the uh, yeah, I think yeah. he, might get, he might get a yellow card for that, I think. It's a yellow card <laughs> offence, if nothing else. But yeah. I'm just keeping well, to the topic. Yeah, I mean, what I would say, looking at that same table as you're looking at, Macclesfield Town, what a wonderful disciplinary record. They've they, had a great season. They haven't had a single one, have they? They're doing yeah. brilliant. The Gary Lineker's uh, of the league. Yeah, um, but I, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? And, and I'll come on to uh, sort of my uh, opinion on this one. But I think when you look at, so uh, no, first, first things first, what I will say is our disciplinary record uh, this season and last season as well, is not a good thing. So I'm not going to stand here and say the amount of red, yellow cards and red cards that we've had this season or last is a good thing. And I'm not going to say that in this division, you need to be picking up yellow cards to be able to compete. Because again, looking at that same table that you're looking at there, Ben, I can see, let's let's scratch Macclesfield, but the best team uh, for disciplinary record, Sutton United, who we know are doing exceptionally well. After them, it's Notts County. Again, Doing, doing very well in this decision. So, you know, you don't need to pick up yellow cards um, to, uh, to to be able to compete in this league. And just to add another, um, I, I did do a bit of research in this, knowing this topic was going to come up. But last this is, season... This is the award-winning we, journalism we talked about here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, I know, you know... I'm at my level now, aren't I? So I've got to uh, I've got to raise my game. But um, but yeah, so last season, 88 yellows, five reds. Does that sound right? 24 yeah, that's out of 24. Yeah. Worst, worst. Barrow, obviously won the league. Only three places above us, 77 yellows and three uh, and three reds. So you could say, you could look at that and you could say, well, you know, Barrow, they won the league. We were up there. So you've got to be physical in, in, the, in this division. Harrogate also went up, finished sixth. You know, sixth best record, 46 yellow, four reds. So... I, I think it's a bit, you know, the statistics, what lies, damn lies and statistics, isn't there? But my argument with this would be, and I'm going to steal this one off of um, off of Darren Sale, because after the Altrinim game, he was asked by Tom Seymour from the BBC about the disciplinary record. And if you watch it on the video, you'll see he gives Tom Seymour a look. And I think he describes it as a as a sensitive subject because, and these are, these are Darren Sale's words, I was at that Northampton game at the end of um, the season that we got we got relegated and nobody tackled. I inherited a team, it is a direct quote from you, I inherited a team that did not put their foot in and a club that did not tackle, which I think any of us who saw you know, that season and possibly you know, the seasons before would agree with that. I'm not saying that's the only thing that, didn't, uh, that, that, that led to us losing our league position, but it was definitely a thing. And I think there were too many players in that team um, who weren't committed to the cause. And that's not to say that you have to clatter someone to um, be committed to the cause. But there wasn't enough effort and there wasn't enough um, spirit in that team that, that sent us down. I'll not call out names, but, uh, but, but, uh, but I could do. Um, and, uh, and I think that's the point. 
I think what Darren Sarn has brought in last season and what Darren Sarn has brought in this season is players like Luke Wilkinson, Charlie Lee, Jimmy Smith. He's brought in players who are going to go in for tackles, who are going to be committed, and they will they will get things um, wrong from time to time. Sometimes they'll get them right, and we'll just say, well, you yeah, know, that's their job. Um, that's that that's what they should do. But I think at this moment in time, when we went down that last game at um, uh, that game where we got relegated at Northampton, what we needed was someone who was going to come in and uh, and bring in players who were going to who were going to fight for the shirt. How many times, Ben, when we travelled back from from games, did we say, "I, I just want to see some effort from players"? Um, I, I I don't want to see people flying into dangerous tackles. Of course, I don't. But I would much rather see, you know, Carl Dickinson go in there with a powerful ch- uh, challenge than pick a pick a player name from the uh, final days of the football league who would just stand by and try and shepherd some someone out play. So. I think what Darren Saal has brought in, these players that we've got in now, I think that's what we need now. Now, I qualify that by saying I don't. it's not a long-term strategy, is it? It's not a long-term strategy that we can pick up yellow cards in the numbers that we are and go on for season after season after season. It, it, it's not going to work and we will have to adapt the way that we play to, you know, to be able to improve that record and, um, and, and probably get, uh, go up as well with we do go up we'll have to uh, change it in, in the football league as well so i think it's right for now i'm not overly worried about it but as, as you pointed out ben uh no yellow cards at all lost to one at Artipool. six yellow cards was it one three two at Boreham wood again lies damn lies and statistics <laughs> that's the case for the defense <laughs> do you think then that we are in the position we are in in any way shape or form because of the fact we've had Wilkinson suspended, we've had Charlie Lee suspended, we've had Wilkinson suspended twice, uh, Carl Dickinson, uh, Lee Collins, Matty Worthington, and Darren Sarr all unavailable at certain stages, I, it leads to a distinct lack of consistency. It leads to, um, especially when, especially when I've, I've just checked now, Charlie Lee and Carl Dickinson's fifth booking that led to their one-match suspension both came from showing dissent. How well, is that? I mean, how is that? If you if you are a team who is going to adopt this aggressive nature, this tackling nature, I want to see that. You're absolutely right, Dave. We have bemoaned bang average players doing bang average performances for too long at this club, and I want to see a bit of open, a bit of fight. But don't pick up yellow cards for chatting. Yeah, those aren't putting the foot in. That's are ridiculous. They? <laughs> if, if if you go in for a challenge, a big challenge to let you to let your opponent know you're there and you pick up a yellow, or you pick up one for three or four niggly little ones that prevented their uh, attackers doing good things, I'm okay with those. They're fine. Do them all day long. If you're sticking your neck on the line and get one wrong, I can go with that. I'm okay with it. But the the dissent ones, the ones we've talked about, how they've had... We've had players who are frustrated at officials and stuff. Those are stupid yellow cards to pick up. Really, really stupid. And... I think that part of the reason we were so inconsistent and so poor at the start of the season is because we couldn't get together a team through injury and suspension. And I just don't think it's been don't think it's been good enough. Eighty eight bookings last season and a season that didn't even finish. Yeah. We'd have I, easily I, I, hit a hundred. It would be interesting. Yellow cards a season. It would is be not. That's not right. It'd be interesting to know um, where those yellow cards last season and red cards fell because we had that terrible run after New Year. 
Um, and it, and if the results were bad during that period, and you know the yellow cards were heavily you know weighted towards that period, um, that would be something to you know someone who's got a lot of time on their hands. If they just have to look you, at that, just after New Year, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so it started with the Hartlepool draw. The two all Hartlepool, uh, three yellows and a red. Woking, we lost. Two yellows. Chorley, we drew. One all. Uh, two yellows. Murphy and Hippolyte. We went to Knox County and lost 3-0. Hippolyte got sent off in that one. I was there. Um, lost in the FA Trophy. Boreham Wood. Boreham Wood had more. Dickinson, Charlie Lee, Dagnall. So, I mean, they were fairly well spread out, if truth be told. If I just pick a, another couple of random games that we did well in. The Wrexham win. We had Duffers booked. Uh, go back to the start of the season and the nice run. Halifax away. September 3. Filed. Back to that with a win. 3. Solihull nil. Yeovil 1. 5. So it looks kind of random to me. And, uh, the, you know, it's all well and good looking at these numbers and stats and things like that. But uh, if you're like a fullback and you get a booking in the first quarter of an hour... The rest of your game is affected yeah. because you have to play with a yellow card and try not to get another one. And so it does affect, like, I think it will affect how a player performs and, and what a player is able to do um, and whether they're able to go full tilt as well. So when you look at those numbers, it's also the, the context behind I'm a fullback who likes to tackle, but I've got to play 75 minutes with a yellow card. Yeah. Can I play devil's advocate here? Please. So, yeah. Tevin, like you say, <laughs> 15, 15 minutes into the game, you're right, you, you, you do something, you, you get a yellow card, you're, you're walking a tightrope. Let's say you don't do something, ball goes in uh, and, and the opposition score, then that's going to affect your game as well, isn't it? So there is two sides to, to, to this argument. And uh, just to go back um, to what Ben was saying with regards to dissent and, and all the rest of it, I, I couldn't agree with him all, mate. And um, and again, listen to Darren Siles being asked this question at the end of the Altrinham game, and he said exactly the same thing: the dissent, the back chat, that 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 annoys me. The throat. I mean, um, I think you've mentioned it on the last podcast. The Adam Adam Smith's one booking away from a, from a suspension. I mean, he's not going to be uh, <laughs> a booking away from a suspension for getting hard tackles, and is he? He's going to be throwing the ball away or, uh, or, or or mouthing off or something like that, isn't he? So, yeah, I completely agree. That's the bit that we can cut out. But I, I do insist that players like Luke Wilkinson, Carl Dickinson, those, those other ones that you mentioned, the pick, pick, pick up booking, you do not bring those players into a football club and expect them not to pick up yellow cards. And I'm not saying that gives them free reign to get yellow cards for anything and everything. And, 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 and gobbing off, we would all agree, it's not the um, it's not a good way to pick up a yellow card, but I would argue that those players are what this club needed last season, and I would argue those players and that level of commitment is what they need, um, what what we need this season as well. Just to just to throw you up on the um, one yellow card away, I do wonder if that's come into yesterday's performance actually, because the. Uh, uh, wiping of the slate clean almost happens at 23 league games. We've now played 22. 23 would be Weymouth. So if Smith, Neufil, um, Knowles or Bradley gets booked against Weymouth, they will miss a game. If they don't, they've got to get all the way to 10 yellow cards before they miss two. Oh, interesting. So interesting. I do wonder if somebody's had a little word to say, look, next two games, 
this is the one where we don't get but we don't do it um do you think we lacked any needle yesterday lacked any commitment lacked any oomph in the tackle against Hartlepool Dave not that I noticed, Ben, no. I think there was, uh, and I can't remember the players that you mentioned there, that showed in my memory, but the um, but Neufield, I remember going in for a few a few meaty ones, and I remember thinking, uh, I think Bradley, I recall going in for one as well. Obviously, you know, <laughs> Dickinson um, went in uh, went, went for one or two, Jimmy Smith as well. So, no, I don't remember a, a lack of physicality in, in our game. Um, I don't think there was a lot. Was there only one book? No, maybe two bookings in that for for Hartlepool, and one of theirs was for the the, the one that led to the free kick that we spoke about at the, right at the end of the game, which was I think was uh, uh, you know a cynical pullback uh, on a on, on on a player. So no, I, I don't think physicality was something that we particularly missed last um, in, in in that game at Hartlepool. Well, I, that that was genuinely the most interesting topic of conversation I've had in a little while with any human being. Oh, that was really good. I enjoyed that. Right, mate, you talk I to me good. twice a week. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. Um, but I would like to know more people's views because I'm. I think I'm more negative about it than others. But I'm. I don't want to see us on 132 yellow cards come the end of the season. Um, so let us know. Tweet us. Do the thing with the with the tweet and the thing. Um, and yeah, are you happy with the number of yellows we're getting? Are you okay with it? Uh, we need to talk about Weymouth. We do. Should we kick this off with a question? Yes. Has anyone told Brian Stock it's Derby Day yet? That one's from Michael Hudson on Twitter. Someone should let him know. Yeah. Because but... we're going to play like it's a Derby, and I don't want him to be shocked. <laughs> um, poor fella. Um, yeah. Oh. I, oh. See, that made me feel sad when I, when I got that question. Yeah. I felt so bad for him. Why? Because someone should know. Someone should let him know. <laughs> oh, bless him. Oh, um, I mean, I'm amazed. And he's, he's from Bournemouth as well. He is, yeah. He's, he's from, from that area. I mean, it's not like he's a million miles away from Weymouth. Uh, okay, can I be slightly controversial uh, here? Um, possibly the last time I'll be on the show. If I keep <laughs> Go out in a blaze of glory. But um, I, even after that last game, I still can't bring myself to particularly feel anything about Weymouth maybe uh, it's not very often I get the opportunity to say maybe I'm too young so please give me give me this opportunity but <laughs> I can only remember two competitive games that we played against Weymouth I remember a couple of pre-season friendlies way back when two games in the trophy back in the late 90s I want to say uh, I can't bring myself to hate them <laughs> Maybe that will change. And when I look on Facebook and see some of their fans, I do feel a, a, a little bit of animosity. And don't get me wrong, I love the 3-0 win um, down there as well. But I think they hate us a lot more than we hate them. Um, and that's why, as Ben said, I felt a bit bad for Brian Stock because their fans will have been screaming when they heard that. Because that game and this game really <laughs> means something to them. Yeah, um... yeah. I'll I'll um I'll remind you of that when I get a text message on Tuesday morning in a couple of years' time going, Fancy a trip to Weymouth tonight, Ben? Yes. Yeah, I'll Pick do me it. Up on I'll the go. Pick me up on the way. Yeah. Um I'll remind you of that one. Yeah. Um But does it now does the game represent something a little bit more for us? We have no idea what kind of effort Weymouth are gonna put in, what kind of team they're gonna put out. They seem to be okay with carrying on whilst Kingsland and Dover around them have said no, we're not. Are Weymouth going to take things a little bit more seriously? A, because it is the Oval and both their fans hate us. And B, is it going to be more serious for us because we've 
just had that little blip, that little disappointment, and we're going to have to take it out on somebody. And it's the boys from up the road that we're going to take it out on. I think when you look at the fixtures that we've got coming up, if, as we were saying earlier, do we really think we're going to be in the, um, make a, a dart for the playoffs? What is it? Weymouth, Dagenham, Barnet, I want to say. And then, yeah, then Chesterfield Sutton, yeah. Yeah. So those three games, we, we've, you know, I'm not, they're all teams that are below, uh, below us. And we've already said that Dagenham have probably got ambitions similar to our own. But Weymouth and Barnet, uh, I mean, they could be throwing the towel uh, teams, couldn't they? In the same way as uh, you know, Dover and, um, and Kings Lynn are as well. So we got to be looking from those three games, I would say, to win all of them if we've got any genuine ambitions of trying to, to get into, into the playoffs. So a lot of ifs in that sentence. But if we do, we should be definitely looking to get another 3-0 uh, on Tuesday. So there's 22 games left. I'd argue we've got to win most. We need to win all of them. We need a perfect season, Ben. We're not far off. Just to show that I'm a, I am a super fan of this podcast, we've given up our wiggle room. Quote yes, we, ben have. Barron. we have. We, <laughs> we absolutely right. have. We absolutely have. And two of those fixtures are Kingsland and Dover, who may not be fixtures. So, we... 22 games, maybe 20... What do you want? 10? 11? 12 wins? Maybe more? Like that, isn't it? There'll be teams above us who will be thinking the same way. Considering we've got to play a lot of the teams in the mix, we've got to play your Borums, your Maidenheads, your, your Knox Counties, your Bromleys and, and whatnot. So you would naturally got to pick up against them because they're not getting the three points on that particular given day. But I, I would want 12-13 at least in there. Crikey, that's a lot. Um, but yeah, Anything less than nine points out of these next three, and I'm going to be a tad disappointed. Oh, I've said it. I've said it, Dave. Yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd agree with you, mate. And, and I said before these last two, Boreham Wood and, uh, and, and Hartlepool, um, I said I, I'd, I'd take two draws out. That will take two, two points out of it. So we've exceeded my expectations from the last two games. <laughs> I don't think you can exceed nine points out of three games, even by my poor maths. But, um, but yeah, I think if we've got ambitions of playoffs, we, we've got to be... Winning them all. Let's go out there and say that. Yeah. Should we that do some... like a nice way to that feels like a nice way to end that portion of the of the podcast. Win them all. Yeah. It's so simple. <laughs> why did we think of why did we think of that in October? I mean they listen. It would have been so be easier, wouldn't it? It would have been so much easier. They listen so they'll know now. They'll know that that's they are all know. subscribers, Dave. Yeah. They are all subscribers. They all listen, Dave. Did Jimmy yeah. Smith well, have credit cards in his shin pads again? Oh yes. Did anyone check Jimmy Smith's um Chin pads. I didn't. No, no, no. I'll can be somebody, can somebody have a word? Please. I listened I to, to these podcasts and I listened to you. Yeah, wait, what was it? Yeah, you had left footed players 11. I've never watched a game of football where I've noticed a player who's had. Uh, Thank you. They kicked me. <laughs> Thank you. Chin pads, I wouldn't notice either. <laughs> well, yeah. Ben noticed the shin pads, but not the, the which foot a player kicks with. I'm going to find the. Um, photo gallery that Sam would have put up on the Hartlepool game and I'm going to find one. Okay, okay. So, uh, should, we, yes. should we do some questions? Do some questions. Yes. Um, okay, so Clevo on Twitter. Uh, should we have had a penalty in the second half? This one's for you, Dave. Yes, we should, definitely. No, I didn't. 
<laughs> Do you want to know? I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my hands up here. I saw that question come in last night, and uh, I watch the away games be on mute because <laughs> after the after the red button game was it Stockport in the cup, and I think it was Andy Welsh, and I know again showing my super fan here. Ben's a, a big fan of Andy Andy Welsh. He was commentating for BBC Greater Manchester, I think it was in that yeah. game. And I could not stand him. <laughs> I was, he was so uh, favouring Stockport because I think he was born there and he played there and whatever. And I was like, you played for us. I, I, I used to think we were great. So I mute away commentators and watching the comments uh, that popped up on social media, we had two right ones in, in Hartlepool by the sounds of it. But Clevo mentioned that even the commentators there said that it was Tom Knowles went down in the uh, got, got a hefty tackle in the box by the time of it. I do not remember that at all. <laughs> I do not remember jumping up and screaming in the silent room I was watching it in. My own internal commentary did not say that's a penalty. So I wanted to message Clevo after saying that said, Where was his penalty? So there you go. That that that's my opinion. That's award winning journalist, uh David Coates. <laughs> Pulling an Arsene Wenger there, I did not see that. <laughs> yeah, I went to stand on the uh, on the away dugout as well with my arm. <laughs> what a moment! What a moment! Um, another question here from Brad Little: Do you think every individual loss warrants the massive reaction it gets every time? Is a mid-table season acceptable given the current climate? Ben, what's your take? Well, there's there's two parts to that. The, is the mid-season, is the mid-table finish? We had said right at the start of the season, and I went on, I, when I was lucky enough to be at Halifax um, for, for the game for BBC, I was asked on air, and I just said, don't go down, don't go bust. And I'd take it. And I've said something, so I've said similar things on this on this podcast. If we don't make the playoffs, fine. That's absolutely okay. Um, and I stand by that. And Darren Sahl, without question, gets another crack at it next year, hopefully in some sort of normality. With regards to the outpouring of, of disappointment, of, of negative reaction, genuinely, I think it's because people haven't got a place to go and moan to their mates. We can't moan. I can't moan to Coates for hours on the way home. And I've done that. Play, I've chewed his ear off thousands of times on the way home, on the motorway, or just sat there in grumpy silence. Remember Dagenham? Remember Dagenham, Dave? I do, I do. Grumpy that was silence. horrendous. I was gonna, I was gonna jump in on that one. Yeah. Oh my god! I think literally, because you said about four words, we lost one nil to Dagenham. It was horrendous, and I don't think I said a word on the way home. I was fuming, just seething in my own <laughs> stew. It's awful. Um, but we don't, we, we don't have a place. You can't go back to the arrow or back to the tent and have a moan and a this, that, and the other about negative things. Similarly, you can't get together and have a good night when we win. I'd love to be sat there in a in a supporters bar having a few ciders after a win after after that little run after that win against Torquay imagine imagine that evening that win against Torquay if you could just stay out a bit longer text the missus I'm not coming back we've had a blinder I'm going to stay out and have a few drinks I might grab a takeaway don't worry about dinner those sorts of moments you, you can't enjoy the highs because we're not there and you can't moan about the lows because we're not in amongst each other so it is maybe a little bit too much but I understand some of the frustration that we, we can't vent. We have nowhere to go. We only have social media and Twitter and Facebook and things. That's the only place you can physically go by law <laughs> at the moment. So um, I, I get it. I want, I want us to live by the mantra of don't get too high with the highs, don't get too low with the lows, and always, always sleep on a result. 
<laughs> yes, rule two of the Glover's cast. Right. Can I just add in there as well on the, on the mid-table question that yeah. you were saying about? And I completely agree with Ben. Don't don't go uh, don't go bust and go go down. Well, we can't go down now, can we? So um, well, it doesn't look like we can anyway. But uh, listening to Darren Sarl at the end of uh, of yesterday, again a direct quote. I don't want to flounce about in mid-table. That's what he said. <laughs> so uh, I, I completely agree. I'm not sure what his uh, definition of, of flouncing is, but um, but I, I agree with him. Uh, you know, if, if, we're, if we're in this league um, and it's going to carry on and there is going to be no relegation, let's have a go. Let's, uh, yeah. let, 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 let's, let's attack yeah. team. Let's play with that swashbuckling style we did um, so much last season. Yeah, I agree. I agree entirely. And let's have a go. Let's have a go for the playoffs. If, if, if the relegation spots are confirmed, absolutely legally confirmed as being off the table, have a go. Have a go. I'd rather lose every game 4-3 for the rest of the season, knowing we've had a right good go at trying to beat every team in the, in the league and finish somewhere near the bottom, but it doesn't really matter. And you never know. We may Imagine, imagine, imagine the first game they let fans back in is a Wembley final for us. Oh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, you can't. You, you might as well have a crack at it. You might as well have a crack at that pipe dream, at that pie in the sky, because there's nothing that can come of it. Do you think that's why there was is such a reaction? Because people have those kind of ambitions. Maybe, maybe, right. yeah. Ben feeds them, feeds them these. Yeah, sorry, it's my oh. fault, probably. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's probably my fault. <laughs> after I think there's a few agendas out there as well. After every win, we're in the playoffs, and after every loss, it's the end of the world. Yeah. Manager's gone. Yeah. It, I think I think there's a few agendas out there as well. I think there's people who don't like this manager for reasons, um, and and I don't know what those reasons are. But there's there's certainly people out there who prefer to see other people in his in his job and well jump on the back of that. So I think there's a bit of that, but I think there's a lot of people who do have that desire to see us do well and that's a good thing isn't it I'd, I'd much rather that we all complained um when when we're not winning um as opposed to just accept it going back to the disciplinary thing i think there are too many of our team uh, that went down from the football league who just accepted it um and i don't yeah. think that this team does that and i don't think these fans do that and i think that's a there's a positive there yeah yeah and at least none of them can go to a nightclub after a loss um and relegation <laughs> this time round. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I want to give yeah. grumpy Ben Barrett a lift. Uh, I tell you, I missed that. Uh, uh, dri- driving to some godforsaken part of the uh, the country and then having uh, to sit back, sit uh, on the journey back with Ben in silence to later. I'd, I'd take that right now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, me too. That previous answer may go some way to answering Hewish Hughes' question on Twitter. Uh, which way did we vote? Continuing null and void or one of the two clubs that didn't? Um, I mean, I... I've got a, I've got a hunch we're one of the two that didn't. Really, I've got a hunch. Just because there was a throwaway comment when when Scott Preston was doing the rounds, there was a throwaway comment where he was encouraging clubs to wait a bit to see if that PR exercise of hashtag grants not loans and the things that people signed was going to work. So I wonder if we've not voted. Oh, partly no. because of that. Partly because Scott's on the board himself. Yeah. So I, it's, it's just a hunch. I have absolutely no idea. And I'm, I'd not only be interested to see if I'd be proved wrong, I'd like to know if I'm wrong. I think it should be made clear how we have voted. But 
I'm not sure we're going to get that info, but I, I, I've got a hunch we're one of the two that didn't. When you look at the table, I wonder how many teams went for null and void because there was it was it seven that said they they wanted to go null and void. I think uh, so. Yeah. I'd wonder who they are. I mean, you can pick some obvious ones, can't you? David Barney, Weymouth, possibly Kings Lynn have obviously said. I wonder who the other ones are that that wanted that. Anyway, we ain't got time for that on here. We, we? we probably haven't, <laughs> but you could probably you could probably guess that they aren't any of the top seven. You can no. probably guess that they aren't any of the top 10 unless any of them are absolutely wrapped with debt. And so it's, it's going to come from the lower half. Of course it is. You, you might find a Woking who are maybe just not in a position to take the loans on uh, one of them, or you might find a Solihull or, or whatever it may be. I'd guess that everyone in the top half voted to continue. I'd guess that the likes of Bromley, who've spent a few quid, uh, are wanting to continue. And, and, and it, it, it's probably fairly obvious, but I've just got a hunch we're one of the two. Mm, that feels like a good place to leave it, I think. Ben's got a hunch that we're one of the two. Stew, stew over that for the rest of the week until Thursday when inevitably something comes out and we're proved wrong. Uh, that's how it works. Yes, And on Thursday, don't forget, international 11s. We've had a few in and some people have been using lineup apps and I'm not ready for this level of professionalism oh, around here. Tactics. This is this is this, uh, what happened to my scrawled out notepad and my sharpie. I mean, yeah. oh, I know right. something. What we've forgotten about. Oh, Actually, forgot? firstly, Dave, how, how have you started your homework yet or not? Uh, again, like your left-footed players, uh, I, I'd have to Google what international players. There's a few that stick in my head. Um, I won't shout them out because I'm sure people will, will, will know them anyway. But yeah, I need to I need to sit down and have a look at it. So how about I promise you one? But do you say Thursday? Yeah. 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 Uh, promise you one by Thursday then. I haven't started yet. No, no. Thanks, mate. Okay. And the uh, rule three of the Glover's cast is when we have a guest on is uh, their meal deal of choice. Oh, yes. Oh, no. This, this <laughs> is probably a good point that we're going to end this because I don't think Ben's ever going to speak to me again after this one, remembering back uh, to some of his outrages about other people. So can, can I just ask for a point of clarification on this? Because I'm sure <laughs> when I've heard this, heard this before, you've said... You go in, you're coming back from a game, you go into a service station, what's your meal deal of choice? Is that the, that's the rules we're playing by here? Is it, this isn't, you know, lunchtime, you go into the supermarket, or can I? No, it is, up? it can be lunch yeah, break, yeah, yeah, there's there's no. You can mix and match, you can mix and match. Okay, because as I said, uh, Ben and I have done enough motorway service stations for him to know that I would head straight to McDonald's or KFC or somewhere yeah. like that. But lunch, lunchtime, uh, my local Tesco near, near, near where I work, I go in there and religiously buy my meal deal of. Okay, I'll start with the good one. <laughs> what I would call the Darren Salad crisps, salt and vinegar McCoys. Yeah, manly, <laughs> manly, real manly men. Yeah, characterful crisps. Exactly. Yeah, I would go for a bottle of apple and kiwi Robinsons refreshed. Wow, if anyone's ever come across that before? But well, there's some tastes going on there, isn't there? Yeah, flavour sensation. Previously, I would have said a bottle of water, but thinking about it, that's never going to be acceptable on this podcast. I know. So, so the one thing that might get me kicked off and never invited back again is I won't go for a sandwich. I won't go for a wrap. I won't go for a Ginster's pasty. I will go for the Tesco chicken and bacon pasta layered salad. It has carrot, pasta, uh, chicken and bacon on the top. And then, uh, yeah, lettuce leaves and things on, on on the top of that. Silence. I I don't hate it. 
Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> the crisps and the drink, solid. And I, like you, was a layered pasta salad kind of man at one time in my life. Oh, right. But I feel like I can make it better and take it to work. And yeah. I feel like there's too much mayo. It's calorific to the nth degree. And if anyone's seen me during lockdown, you'll know that's not a, not a good place to be right now. <laughs> so um, I, I fully appreciate where you're coming from. Have a crack at making it yourself. And I promise you, it'll be a better experience. So, I'm a very lazy person, Ben. I have that's to fine. Say, very that's lazy. Fine. I've never made a sandwich for, for, for my own lunch uh, in my life. So What? That's crazy, isn't it? How the other half live, Ian. <laughs> How the other half live. These awards, these awards on the journalism. Still oh, spending the kinds of cash. Yeah. Fueled by, fueled by not making his own sandwiches. Oh, honestly, you win one award and suddenly, Jesus, the kitchen's too good for you. <laughs> honestly, I've got servant folk to do it. Yeah, exactly. Outrageous behaviour. That is outrageous. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm completely okay with the, with the meal deal though. But that's a, it's a solid, it's a solid five out of seven. Yeah, out of seven. Well, that's that's a recognised technique now. Oh, okay. Um, just a shout out to Elliot Watts there. He's the one that brought me onto that. With a ten, you can be a bit middle ground nothingness. Uh, With a seven, okay. one and two are really naff. Three and four are okay. Five, proper middle ground. And then you've got your sixes and your seven. I may have done that wrong. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure five yeah. is the one, middle two, ground three, on seven. One, two, three, rubbish. Four, your middle ground. Five, six, seven, higher. Okay. I've never heard that explanation. I've heard what's he do the out of seven and never quite understood it. But now there's, 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 it's a definitive middle ground. So I've now adopted it in life as the out of seven thing. I like it. It's going to so, change player ratings forever. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes, it is. So there you go. I'm looking forward to Tuesday and rating all of our players seven out of seven. Yes. Well, enjoy the game on Tuesday, boys. And thank you very much for your time. It's been fun, hasn't it? This has really gone quite quickly, and it's. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this, Dave. It's always a pleasure, mate. I know I give you a hard time, but I genuinely miss your face. We are going to say we couldn't not give each other a hard time. <laughs> Bring exactly. it back. Bring back Rumpy Ben. That's <laughs> well, you'll have to come back on and try and draw that out of him. Yes. If I'm allowed, I'm, I'm, I haven't got another meal deal, so uh, yeah, you have to. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Call me in when there's more conjecture required. Okay, that yeah, sounds good. I really, really appreciate it, lad. Thank you so much. Cheers, take care. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Pardo Solicitors, the friendly law firm based in the heart of Somerset, with offices in Yeovil, Taunton and Bridgewater, with a strong ethos of helping those in our community. If in doubt, check it out with Pardo's on a free no-obligation call or subscribe to our free podcast, The Friendly Law Podcast. 
For more information, call 0800 862 0442 or visit pardos.co.uk. Pardos Solicitors, looking after you, your family and your business. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakeley on 01935 479913. Whether you're a one-man or one-woman band just starting up, or a large established business, Chalmers Accountants offer a range of expert services tailor-made to your needs. They have over 100 years' experience of helping businesses of all sizes and provide a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.